twisting piece of it live stream. I am your host, Alex Garthon Marks. With me, as always, well, he was with me, this drop. We're at Heathen Dog Grissomer. Well, we'll be back soon. Connect. Connect. His internet connection decides to catch back up with the rest of us. Uh, but it is time to continue. The show must go on, as they say. We have a show for you tonight, my friends. If I call you friends, I think we've come to that stage in our relationship, friends. Maybe even more so. But, ah, I see a light in my ear return. I did. My Apparently my Discord locked up. I had to, I had to force it down and reboot it. I thought it was my uh, singing a la the Gip Brothers Gib confused and scared you. No, no, no. I, what, what I said in response to that was, we should have Noro sing it BG style, but in Japanese. Oh, that'd be awesome. I know. She could do it. Uh, do you remember the uh, original Teen Titans animated series theme song? Not off the top of my head, no. Ah, uh, it's good. It's like, Teen Titans, go! It's still by this Japanese group. But uh, that would be awesome. We would be the, uh, certainly the coolest podcast, I think, then. Heck yeah. Easy. By, by far. Head and shoulders. And as a matter of fact, no, we're head and shoulders above the rest right now. Yes, why not? That's how we roll. I think so. All right, so what did, what did I miss when I, was, when I was technically impaired? You missed me introducing you. Hey, hi, everybody. <laughs> All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, VT Mike comes online. Hey, what's up, Mike? Good to see you. Yeah, uh, Amy Puffy Yumi. That's Puffy Amy Yumi. But Amy Puffy Yumi, yes. That's them. Who did the theme song to Teen Titans Go. Right. But in this exciting episode, uh, we're going to go over Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma of Shadowrun Extravaganza of Excitement. This time on uh, the class features, go over the popular ones. Ooh, the popular kids. And a Garthon's comic poll. We're going to talk about Spider-Man, Batman, and more. Here's a secret. It's another man. It doesn't end with man, but, you know. Well, with the male patriarchy of the comic book industry, that's what happens. Boom. Keep yeah, the women down. It. Yeah, keep take the, it down. Keep the women down. Yeah, it's bad. Especially Barefoot with the, and pregnant. <laughs> it's the comic I don't mention on this, but it's going to be the first one we talk about. And uh, we're talking about keeping people down. That's what this comic is all about. Get some. Yeah, except uh, I'm the stay-at-home dad, and... My wife makes all the money. I do all the cooking and the cleaning and the and the uh, well. I'm well, not doing laundry just, very well right you now. You know you're just showing the evils but... of the patriarchy right there. In that you <laughs> are taking away child rearing from her and forcing her to work for you. That's that's exactly the way I look at it. <laughs> and that is how you display your membership of the evil patriarchy. That's right. I got the I got the decoder pin and everything. Oh, they wouldn't send me a decoder pin. That's because you work. Dang it. They said I wasn't quite evil enough. I was like diet evil, you know. Oh no, that's a Doctor Evil line. I can't believe he said Doctor Evil line. <laughs> you know, Mike I actually said, I liked Doctor Evil in the first Austin Powers movie. After that, he decided to not be funny. Well, the whole thing, the whole franchise went down. I mean, every yeah. everyone I believe was worse than the one before. But oh, that's absolutely, the way it is. absolutely, no denying that. Yeah. Kind yeah, of like we got going pancakes. What? You have a pancake? You're like, man, I could go for a pancake this morning, right? 
you have that pancake, like, oh man, that's a good pancake. But if you have another one, you're like, oh, I really don't want any more pancakes. Then, then if you're trying to have a, eat that third pancake on your plate in that big stack, it's like, I don't even want pancakes. I hate pancakes. That's what happens. That's why I always order silver dollar pancakes because they, they may give you five, but they're like two inches wide. So there's no time to get tired of them. But uh, that, that's not a very good example for me. But what happened to me is sweet potato pie. First piece of sweet potato pie, I love it. I'm like, oh my God, this thing is the greatest thing I ever put in my mouth. I need another one. And the next one is like, this was all right. It was good. Maybe I need more whipped cream. And then the third one's like, man, screw this thing. This is awful. Man. Well, I want to tell everyone right now that if you are, in fact, a fan of sweet potato pie, we have a disclaimer for you. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasionally so foul or even offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued participation. Yay! Yeah, you like that? You like that? was a good transition. That was good. It was good. I liked it. <laughs> All right. As always, you can check us out on YouTube at theyoutubes.com. Uh, look up Legion of Myth, and we are there. Uh, Twitch TV slash Legion of Myth, where you could be viewing us right now. Uh, on Reddit, we do have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash Myth. Oh, BT Michael says he goes straight to awful on sweet potato pie. So he does, no, just no love. Apparently not a fan, yeah. No love at all. So apparently this is not the podcast for those who love extended use of sweet potato pie. Yep, yep. I have no opinion. All right, facebook.com slash Legion of Myth. Uh, please like, share, good stuff. We like the things on the Facebooks. You can check out Messenger. You can, And on Twitter, at Legion of Myth. We tweet. We do. We retweet when necessary, when it meets our standards. Non-troll-like is our standard, basically. That's it. Pretty much. Well, also, yeah. if you're, you know, it has to be, like, interesting. I'm just saying. If you tweet a picture of your dog and say, My dog loves Link! Or, my dog loves Zelda, and he's wearing a Link hat from Legend of Zelda. You know, I'm not going to retweet that, because that's just we're, your dog in a hat. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to let that one die. But um, anything else that's cooler than that, we'll, we'll probably do it. Yeah, we're cool. Unless it's like a really cute dog. You know, I got, you know. But I'd like to be one hell of a cute dog. And I got, I got standards. Or the ugliest dog in the world. Oh, I would definitely do it for an ugly dog. Definitely yeah. retweet yeah. that thing. Oh, yeah. that, that thing's getting everywhere. Yeah. But not a dachshund. If it's any kind of dachshund, I'm going to say no, because I'm tired of people tweeting pictures of their dachshunds. Okay, fair enough. It's like a new meme. Everyone has dachshunds all of a sudden. Anyway, let's talk about Heat the Dog Shadow and Extravaganza of Excitement. No dachshunds allowed. Based on first and second edition rules. Yeah. Not my best much. transition. No, that, that's all right, though. I liked it. I liked it. It was good. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Uh, we're we're going to talk about uh, uh, Shadowrun archetypes today. Now, in my last two segments on Shadowrun archetypes, I, the first one I talked to you about, the bad ones, the the archetypes that either no player wants to play or no no GM wants to have in their campaign. The next one, I did the, the fun ones. The, the, these are ones that, the archetypes that are really, really fun to play, and really, you should play them. Now, the ones I'm talking about today are the popular ones, the ones everyone wants to play when they first start Shadowrun because it makes you feel like, like you're, you're a street-level god. It does. There's a street samurai and a street shaman. Street samurai, it's, it's pretty easy why, why it's so 
popular right out of the gate you are a killing machine you know you you you, you can mow down entire entire divisions of of, of uh, corp officers just and this feeling of power is just immense you know you're stronger than everybody else you're faster than everybody else you have you have a target targeting reticule in your eye for crying out loud you never miss all that good stuff it yeah. feels so powerful yes, yes. lord more and then you this and then there's there's the street shaman. Now personally, I lean mage, but everyone else seems to think shaman's shaman's the thing. But whatever. But uh, uh, street shaman, you are both versatile and powerful. In a, in a battle, uh, you you can be offensive, you can be defensive, you you can be counterintelligence, intelligence, and because you are a shaman, you are six seconds away from having a supernatural buddy right at your side to do your bidding. And who wouldn't and, like that? I know, right? Suddenly you're uh, you're in the street, and uh, you you get to you get to jump by about you know two dozen street thugs. Now, sure, you're you're powerful, and you could probably take out half of them before they even hit you. But when, but they would they would probably overwhelm you with numbers, until you you summon up from from the ground an urban spirit that it it it, it forms itself out of out of plasticrete and metal from the from the street lamps and stuff, and and it's it's like ten feet tall. And uh, all those street dogs are like, mm, we all collectively left uh, left the kettle on, and we're all gonna go now. Okay, hear and my mother calling. Exactly, exactly. So yes, it's freaking awesome. Everyone loves them. Let's let's go to the samurai. Now, what's what's all what's all the good stuff about samurai? I mean, you I said the whole thing where you can start out of the gate, just super powerful. The reason being is because you build your own body. You fill up your body with chrome. Oh man, you can you can get stronger, faster, more durable. Bullets bounce off of you. Um, you can you can see in the dark. You can see heat signatures. Uh, you can have freaking Wolverine claws if you want. Yeah, because that's not you know cheesy or anything. No, no do that. No, that's original. That's original. There you go. You can do no all that stuff. Other street samurai has ever done that. Nope, nope. It's complete. No one's nope, ever done it. Nope. Uh, you can overcome all of uh, all of your low attribute scores. If 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 you decided to to put your attribute priority real low, uh, all of this tech you're putting in your body will overcome that. And I, I get into that in my example later on. But um, you're also in if you're if you're standing around all your buddies and they're not street samurais, you are the toughest guy in the room. You're Hell the yeah. guy. Oh yeah, you're the street. Uh, you know, un unless there is another street samurai, happens to also be a troll then he's probably the strongest guy in the room. But if he leaves the room, you're instantly number one. And your, your body is built to absorb damage. You can stand in a firefight longer than anybody else. This is the truth. And this is, this is what all these things make him extremely attractive to a new player. Now, let's, let's go again to, uh, to my example samurai, how he's going to build up his body. Now, this is going by first and second edition rules. So, uh, the, the attributes are a little different than the current edition, but you'll even if you play the current edition, you will get the gist and you will understand this. Let's say Sammy, uh, he decided that he, he wanted to be a street samurai. He, he got himself a whole lot of money and uh, he's going to chrome himself up. Well, he's got, let's say he, he used to be a, a, a street thug. So he's got, a, he's got a body of four out of six. You know, the, the, the attributes in this system go from one to six. One being you're a cripple or a baby and six being uh, that, that is the human maximum. And let's just say he's human. He's got a four. He grew up on the streets. He's, he's got to be tough, you know, so he's, he's tough. But uh, his, his strength and his, uh, and his quickness are both three, which is average, which is fine. 
you know, he's, he wasn't an athlete. He wasn't a track star. wasn't all stuff. He just, you know, he had to, had to get tough to be on the street. So to survive. Well, okay. Well, the first thing he does, he, he starts with the essence of six. Everyone starts with the essence of six. Uh, no matter what race you are, if you're a player character race, your essence is six. So this is how much you have to, to, to spend, quote unquote, spend to, uh, until your body falls apart from too much chrome. First, he gets his eyes poked out and he gets flare compensation, which, which means his, his eyes will automatically dim if there's, a, if there's a bright light that would normally blind him. Now he's immune to blindness. Low and thermographic vision it means he can see just as well as a cat and, and he can see heat signatures, which means uh, uh, let's put up smoke as a diversion. That's not going to help you because he can see you still. All right, uh, maybe a quick description of essence, just for those not knowing. Okay, essence is uh, is basically your life force. The more artificial things you put in your body, the, the more tenuous a hold your life force has on said body. When you reach zero essence, your life force does not have, uh, your, your body doesn't have enough natural uh, naturalness, I guess real uh, born, realness left in it for your soul to keep hanging on, and it just floats away, and you die. That's it. Very so nice. that's why you never want to hit zero. Um, is this similar to – well, it's an analog to in Cyberpunk like 2010, 2020, 2013 um, where they had essence, where essence was a measure – is what they used of how, how much cyberware you could get before you uh, go crazy and either die or snap and kill everyone. Um, that, yeah, it was the, also used I, as a measure of how human you were, how much empathy yes, you yes. have. Does, does yes. essence also just show that? Essence also does that, and I, I went over the whole Uncanny Valley thing. Yes, in, yes, in, where you start looking real creepy, yes. Wait, no, 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 you know, it's not that you look creepy, which you might, but if all, all of your hardware is on the inside and not visible, you can oh, yeah, still you start act acting. Yes. yes, people don't think you act like a human anymore. And not in a charming Mr. Data way. No, 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 it's, 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 it, it creeps you out just being around you. All right, now anyway, so you don't want to get close to zero or zero. All right, there we go. Now, he's got his eyes. Boom. Now, now, now he can see better than any human on the planet. Great. But he wants to be a little tougher. So he gets two levels of dermal plating. This adds two to his body, his body attribute. Okay. And now he adds a smart gun link. A smart gun link make, it makes him hit twice as much, literally doubling his chances of, of hitting someone with a gun. Heck yeah. <laughs> Sold. And then after that, he's like, you know what? I want to be able to beat some folks up. So he gets muscle replacement. Muscle replacements. Uh, he has level two, so it adds two to both his strength and his quickness. And then he says, you know what? I want to be able to draw and, and, and shoot five people before someone else even knows I've moved. So he gets wired reflexes, which increases his reaction time to, to insane levels. All right. Now, this, his attributes started body of four, quickness of three, strength of three. A little above average body, average strength, and average quickness. Now, now he's looking at a body of six, which is the human maximum. Yeah. And a strength and quickness of four, of four, five, 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 yeah, five apiece, which is almost his human maximum. So right now, just with those three things, he has become an Olympic level athlete. Easy. But does it make him easier to find love? No, it doesn't make it easier to find love, but it makes it a lot easier to make a lot of money. <laughs> With a lot of money, well, yeah. Love follows. <laughs> that's right. And you're thinking, well, dude, that's great, man. Why doesn't everybody play Street Samurai? Well, almost they do, but there are some bad parts. All right? Those are dirty lies spread by anti-Street Samurai propaganda. <laughs> All right. The thing is, 
in combat, he is a god. He is everything you ever wanted a man or woman to be. Outside of combat, well, he spent all of his money and all of his all of his attributes and all of his, all, his skills were lowest priority. So outside of combat, he blew all of his skills on gunfire and and uh, uh, combat axe and driving his driving his car and that's it. I mean, he's lucky if he can freaking read. All right. I mean, he says he just did not have time to learn anything else. And against mental magical attacks, he is weak because what attributes he had, he had to put into physical stats to make him a god in combat. So his mental stats have suffered. I'm not saying he's he's mentally deficient. I'm just saying he's below average in one or two of, of these categories, which makes him a little little magic pincushion. And of course, all he might be, of, so he, he might be your guy to help you shoot through the defenses, but uh, he's not going to be the one hacking the terminal or no. even trying to or thinking to look underneath the keyboard for where someone wrote down the password. Yeah, no, he wouldn't be doing that at all. Uh, and the, the last last bad thing about this is all that Chrome cost bank a lot of it. You spent all your money on cyberware. You got enough money left for a couple of couple of guns. Maybe maybe a cool bad car. Coat. No, not even a cool car. A bad oh, a cool car. trench coat. Get a cool trench coat. Okay, okay. Cool trench coat. Sure enough. Uh, uh, a Hyundai or something similar. <laughs> Little Daewoo. And, and uh, yeah, Daewoo. And about, a, and about a, a, a one-bedroom apartment. And that's about it. You got nothing. You yeah. better go make money right now because yeah. you need it. Yeah, you either better score some jobs or find a roommate. Exactly right. Now, the uh, you would think the opposite of the spectrum would be the street shaman, but it's not. One would think, but they both do have street in their name. Exactly. And the reason being is because, you know, on the street combat, these guys are bananas. All right. With, Wait, with, I thought uh, you just said the street samurai were bananas in combat. No, these guys are the same. Like I said, these two are the popular ones. I mean, if, if you just want shoot them, shoot them, kill, 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 then the street samurai is your way. But if you if you do a little bit of a thinking man's game, the street shaman is just as good. See, that's kind of funny because in almost every shadow group I was in, no one played a street shaman. They looked at it, like the street samurai said, why am I going to be some tree hugger when I can get a, you know, get laser eyes? No, no, no. No, 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 no. See, that, that's why that's why I put in this, the street shaman archetype. There's also a shaman archetype who is all nature loving crap. No, no, no. The, the, the street shaman is an urban shaman. He, he's a shaman of the streets. So he doesn't have all that granola crunchy crap in him. That's true. Yeah. There you go. So uh, with, with, with spell allocation from the beginning, you get, you get a certain number of points to buy spells in the beginning. With this good allocation, you can literally do anything anything and i'm gonna i'm gonna get in that later now spirits oh my god uh the, the the reason people like shaman more than mages even though mages call up elementals they have to call them in advance they have to have them on standby you have to do this giant long long involved ceremony uh consuming uh lots of ritual materials that cost thousands of thousands of new yen for for each rank of spirit that you want to bring and then you have to roll and then boom you get them they're they're much better in almost every respect than than a nature spirit but it takes so much money and time to bring them about a street shaman it takes one round humana 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 come to me boom there he is dang he's your buddy he's there right now he's got powers he's he's got strength he's got brute force he can he can man he can manifest in the world and and crush someone's skull if he, if he's strong enough he can do all that stuff it's great. They're 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 just plug and play. Boom, boom. There you go. Got myself. Got myself a spirit. And is there all, a price to that? 
There's nothing, nothing. It costs no money. It costs no preparation, no nothing. The only, the only, if you can call it that, a downside is what, whatever terrain you are in is the kind of spirit that you call. If you're inside a home, it's a hearth spirit. If you're, if you're in a park, it's a nature spirit. If you're, if you're on the street, it's a spirit of man, stuff like that. You know, you, 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 you can't call any spirit you want. You can only call the spirit that resides in where you're at. Well, that makes sense. But really, I mean, when you think about it, if, to, having that be the drawback of snapping your fingers and having instant supernatural backup, pff, sold. I get it. Now, the, the last thing with this all-around strong defenses. These guys are strong physically. They're strong against magic. They, 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 they can hurt samurais just as well as they hurt mages. And I'm going to show you why with their spell allocation. Yeah, show me. Show me, please. I'm going to show you. Here we go. Now, if uh, in, in first and second edition, if you take magic, uh, your your uh, your your tech tree, which is which is money and magic, at the highest priority you can, you you take human as as your as your uh, um, race. You take magic as your number one priority. Your number two priority is fifty points in spells. And this is just an example I, I whipped up in uh, in literally four minutes. This is four minutes of thought. Treat severe wounds. Now, in, I took treat in, uh, in, instead of the other one because treat only works within 60 minutes of you getting the wound. After that, it's a different spell, a harder spell. But you're, you're, you're in a Shadowrun group. People are getting hurt right in front of you. You're getting hurt right in front of you. You're going to heal it immediately. So yeah, you're not a doctor. You're trying to be a trauma surgeon. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're triage. Well, boom. Done. There you a go. Doctor, but you know, what well, I, mean. I understand. Yeah. Everyone understands. Now, now uh, I got chaos and mask. These are your illusion spells. Chaos uh, screws with everyone's senses. You know, well, screws with one guy's senses. So he can't see straight. He gets minuses to everything. Mask is uh, you can actually change what you look like. Ultimate infiltrator. It's great. Now I, I have these all at, at rank four because these, these are not, heavily resisted i mean chaos chaos is resisted but if you throw it on a, on a street samurai or a guy who's really really chromed out you can bet that his willpower it did not get a lot of attention during character character generation so that four is going to be just fine now the next three control thoughts barrier physical personal and barrier personal mana these i have all six because these are important to work and work well control thoughts you actually cast that on someone you tell them what to think and they, they think that way. They're going to, they're going to help you of their own caged will. It's great. It's better than a Jedi mind trick. A Jedi mind trick only puts a thought in someone's head. Like maybe this is a good idea. No, you're putting the thought in head that you are definitely thinking this right now and you love me no matter what. Oh yeah. These are all, these are all true facts. That's always fun to do. Oh yeah. And this personal barriers, the physical and mana, uh, the barrier for physical, if you're in a gunfight, a personal physical barrier. Uh, the reason uh, the reason I put in the personal in there is because every caveat you put in there in the spell, it brings down the drain. So and and of course drain I explained in the magic one is when when you shove magic through your body to channel it to create a, a specific effect, there can be a strain put on your body. You know, but busted blood vessels in your eye. Uh, uh, little uh, miniature muscle tears, and these these are accumulated damage by casting spells. So so the more the more uh, short in scope a spell, or small in scope a spell is, the the less damaging it is through your body. Now the the personal barrier only works on you. You can't put it up on anyone else. 
and it's only for physical things for the first spell, like say bullets or swords or or you know, samurai with totally non-cheesy, non-copyright non Wolverine claws. Exactly. So you want this thing to have as many successes as possible because every success takes away a point of damage from, from, from the incoming attack. Now, the personal mana barrier is, let's say you're fighting a shaman or a mage or someone else who's casting, casting crap at you. Then you put up your mana barrier, and it's just it has just as much reduced strength as the other one, but it'll stop any spell. It'll... It'll stop someone from attacking you astrally. It'll stop a spirit from attacking you astrally because in astral space, uh, a mana barrier is completely opaque. You can't see through it. You can't target. You can't cast through it unless you break it first. Now, I added in a, a general mana barrier because if there's a mage on the opposing team, you may want to cover your entire team from this guy because he could have an area effect magic. That'll, that'll, maybe it'll, we'll put all of you down. So you put that mana barrier up. It's a little weaker, sure, yes, but everyone else is going to be very appreciative no matter what. Now, the increased attribute, willpower, and body. Now, willpower is what you use to resist drain, okay? Now, uh, increased attribute come in, come in four flavors, one, two, three, and four. Well, I always get four. Increased attribute plus four, boom, your willpower from six, now it's 10. You're resisting drain like a mother. There is no drain that's going to hit you. You're going to be able to cast spells all day long. All you have to do is, is bind that to a spell focus, put it on your body. You don't have to worry about it. It's, it's permanent. You, you touch it to turn it on and off. It's great. Increased attribute body. Well, you probably uh, spent a lot of your attribute points on the mental side of things and not so much the other way. So if a bullet actually did hit you, it would tear through you like, tear through you like tissue paper. Oh, increased attribute plus four body? Pfft, not anymore. You had a body of two because you spent all your time in the in the dusty old basement of a library learning magic. Well, guess what? You're now 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 you are instant Schwarzenegger. Boom. I like that. And you only need one point in this because you only need one success, and it's not resisted because obviously you're not going to resist the spell that's going to help you. So okay. you can actively turn off your resistance. So you only need one success. There you go, and you win. Now, I took antidote because, you know, gases, you know, poison darts, stuff like that. You're going to want to hit that crap immediately. Boom. Now, I only I, I got severe because deadly. The, the drain was, meh, was a little too, little too high for my taste. I could really get hurt doing that. Severe was much more manageable. And really, there is no corp in, in the UCAS that is going to use deadly toxin on, on someone who invaded their property. Okay, there well, are laws. Not they're sensible. Yeah, yeah, there are laws about this kind of stuff. I don't know. So. There's a limit, I think, that if you've been bothering them enough that they would do it and then, you know, your body would be poured in the foundation of their new building. And they'd yeah, that, that, that is possible, but I But went, you've I worked went, your yeah. way to that area. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that's not starting way, yeah. Salvo. No, no, no. And then Power Bolt and, power bolt and Mana Bolt both maxed at six. The reason I did this is because these are your two only two attack spells I took. Power Bolt is a physical spell. It sh it's it's pew pew. It's like a, a physical physical burst of energy, like a little kamehameha bolt. Boom! You you hit mages with those things. You you hit uh, you hit riggers with those things. You hit deckers with those things. Mana bolt is is a psychic attack, just as powerful, but it it it's resisted by willpower. So you hit mercs with that. You hit uh, you hit street samurai with that. You you know you you hit you hit guys who who obviously spent their entire life in a gym with that stuff, and they're gonna they're gonna go down. 
They're going to hit the floor like a prom dress. It's going to be great. Boom, 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 boom. This is a starting character, and he has so much utility. He's useful before combat, during combat, after combat. Excellent. If you want to make your game master cry, you know how to do it. Yes, exactly. But, of course, there is a bad side. There's and the what is this bad side? Well... For, for a shaman to really, really be effective, he has to be at least a little prepared. If he's taken out in the first round by, say, a sniper, he's dead. He didn't have any of his defenses up. He didn't have anything ready. He didn't know there was going to be a combat because combat happened after he was dead. And so he's squishy. So he's squishy against things he doesn't see coming. If he doesn't see it coming, he can't defend against it. Okay. Out of their element, by another's, yeah, by a street samurai or someone, yeah, jump from behind a hidden uh, shaman, yeah, or even a landmine. Tick, 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 boom. He didn't, he didn't have time to, he didn't have time to put up his defenses. So there you go. He's a little, he's a little, he's squishy for that. Now, out of, out of their element, they are weaker. Now, uh, uh, shamans have to take a totem. All right. Now, each totem gives you bonuses and minuses sometimes there are bonuses for time of day sometimes there are minuses for uh the environment you're in at the moment uh, there is one totem a coyote totem that does not give any bonuses does not give any minuses and does not care what you do you're you're a coyote you're a loner you can do anything you want but the bonuses kind of interesting is the totem yeah the, the, the bonuses for some of these are really cool. Like, like uh, you know, you get plus four dice whenever you use any spell from this category. What? Yeah. But you get minus four dice from any spell from this category. Oh, wah, oh that's wah. So good. Yeah, I like that. So uh, they have the, all but one of the totems have restrictions. And, of course, uh, when, when, when you see a shaman, personally, when I, when, I, when I play a mage, I never dress like a mage. I dress like a merc. Because That's a if, smart thing to do. Yes, if, if you dress like a shaman and you dress like a mage, the first bullets are coming for you. Because any any good tactical team is going to know, take out magical support immediately, and then the rest of the day will go by a lot nicer. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah, if, 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 you're, if you're dressed like a shaman, you got all, all the doobobs hanging off of you, you got little fetishes hanging from your neck and coat, and you got like teeth all around, and you know you look the part, you're going to get shot at first. Right, and you probably deserve it. it. Yeah, you deserve it for freaking dressing like a, like a magic user, dork. Are you stupid? But, yeah, that's what happens. Now, why would you want to play these archetypes? Well, why not, man? You, you, you start off the game... Uh, you start off the game three steps ahead of everybody else, power-wise, power-feel. You, you, you feel like you're the guy. You're 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 the guy everyone depends on. You're the guy that makes the moves that makes things happen. Every group is going to want you around. Yeah, I mean, combat takes up most of the time of most games because, you know, it's like the old joke is, you know, an hour long walk takes five minutes, but a five minute combat takes an hour. So you want to be useful for that most amount of time. Yes, and you are in the thick of it the entire time, whereas the decker or the rigger or you know someone else, they're only going to be useful for a fraction of that whole combat time. Whereas you are going to be in it the whole deal from beginning to end. Every group's going to want you and every group's going to miss you when you're gone. They're like, you're in a firefight. God, I wish the samurai was here. They, 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 they see that uh, the enemies have, have, uh, have a mage on their side. Oh man. I wish, I wish the shaman was here. Where is he at? 
And that's that's exactly how you feel. But the rigor, he's like, well, everyone's got a everyone's got a car. I mean, it's better to have him, but you don't feel the absence as a loss. You know, I mean, the 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 uh, Decker doesn't really need to be there. He can be there remotely. You know, he has to be right there. He could be at home decking and helping That's you true. out. You know, and and a, and a Merc, like I said, uh, like I said last time, he's a he's a utility type player. I mean, you know, he's he he's he's a, he's a little bit good in every role he goes in, but when if he's gone, someone else can pick up the slack. But the street samurai and the street shaman, if they're gone. You feel like you're going to lose, and you're probably right. Unless you just decide to avoid combat that day. The only way to do that is with is with a shaman. And I, I, I will give I will give uh, an example of gameplay. This was uh, this wasn't a shaman. This was a mage. All right. This was this was a book adventure for four to six players. And a friend of mine in high school. His name was his name is Paul Midkiff. He said, I so can do this adventure. There you go. I can do this adventure with just my mage. And uh, our, uh, our, our game master, Bill Lockhart, said, BS, you can't do that. Nope, I can do it. Okay, what's the job? You have to go in, you have to sneak in or get in to, to this, to this cor- uh, the satellite corporation building, get to the fifth floor through all the security, steal, steal the, this, this data, that is hard copy, so so you can't you can't hack it in this safe, behind this safe, behind this fake wall, behind this stuff, and then get out. Okay, I can do that. He used two spirits, one one uh, air elemental and one water elemental, and he used four spells. He did the whole adventure in a half hour. He got in and out. No alarms went off. No one knew. No one remembered he was there. And, the, and there was no photographic evidence of him walking the halls. I swear to God. He did the whole thing himself. Now, I'm not going to tell you what spells he used because I'm not going to ruin this for anybody else. Like the whole feel of power was ruined from me. But it can be done. I saw it with my own eyes. It's always nice if someone finds a way to abuse the system. No, no, no. He, he, he played everything by the book. I'm not Everything saying he didn't. I'm just saying okay. yeah. I don't know if it's naturally intended for that to happen. Yep, and he, he rolled up a starting character with, with these four powers, went through the entire thing. Boom, done. Well, also, I have to assume, if he was in a group, it would have made it harder because he wouldn't be able to cover everyone. Exactly right. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to use these specific types of spells because they would. Uh, he made all of this for personal. You know, like, like, like I said, uh, the, the more caveats you put on a spell, the, the more you, you uh, uh, focus it the the less drain you take so the less uh the less uh, uh fatigue goes into your body so he was able to keep up two three spells at once he was able to give one spell to to one of his elementals to hold on to to maintain for him while he casts another one he oh, was able nice. to yeah he was able to put one into a fetish to put uh, into a spell focus put on his body so it would handle the spell so he could cast another one i mean you you, know, you, you can cast uh, as many number of spells and maintain as many number of spells you want but from maintaining a spell gives you minus two to everything else you do. Maintaining two spells gives you minus four dice to everything else you do. So you, there, there's a point where there's a definite, definite diminishing return. But he's got this elemental holds this one, this spell focus holds that one. So he can have three, four spells going off at the same time. And he, and to, and he used all these spells 
to breach all their magical and mundane defenses like they weren't even there, walked in, had someone open the safe for him, gave him the file. The guy said, thank you for coming. He said, no problem. Walked right out. Well, he cost that guy his job. So he yes, should, he, should he cost a lot of people their jobs that day. <laughs> the, the, the blood, the, the, the blood ran red in HR the next day on that one. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. Oh, it was a, it was a massacre in HR. It, oh man, the axe came down on everybody. Now, do do you have a street samurai story? Actually, I do. Uh, playing a Shadowrun game. This was back in high school, and I actually was the one playing the street samurai. Um, basically, it was not a printed adventure, but a simple gig. We had to go and clean up a neighborhood that uh, they were dealing... Oh, what was the name of the drug? Some mythical, like, drug. Maybe the game master, Andre. Andre Demas was the game master. Was it a chip? Was um, it a chip, or was it a real drug? It was a chip, but it was actually... A, like, PTL a, chip. It was a PTL chip, but it was actually a nano chip you inhaled. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I guess he was trying to like make it like more like cocaine, but basically you would inhale the chip, it would go attached directly to your brain, so you didn't actually have to get it installed. You could just buy the stuff and snort it, but eventually the power source inside of it would die out, and you'd have to buy more. So that's how that's how they got you. I thought it was kind of clever. But, so, yeah, that sounds cool, I like that. So we had to go in, and the idea of the adventure was we'd go in, try and find, like, start with the lowest level guys and try to work up through them and, you know, find where the big where big boss was and take them all down. And uh, so we expect us to be more, you know, thoughtful. But I'm playing my super badass street samurai, so I walk in, you know, we find the first contract we're supposed to find, and instead of, like, the, you know, shit, where do you get this stuff, shake him down, you know, I, you know, I tell him that basically I want in on the business, or I kill you. So it wasn't like, this is bad, this is garbage. I'm like, heck yeah, this is a business opportunity. Um, long story short on that, basically it was just a ruse to try and get all the guys in one place at one time, which we did. And uh, he expected us to die, of course, but being a street samurai, I whipped out my Wolverine claws. Yes, I know. Um, and from a packed room, I was able to gun down everyone. Or cut, or cut down. I got cut or got, basically the rest of the team. I said, wait outside and watch for reinforcements. Right. And they went, what? So they watch reinforcements. The, uh, the net runner, I'm oh, sorry. That's not the, the rigor. Um, basically stopped any security feeds from going out. And I had my own personal little murder spree inside the warehouse, uh, which didn't make the other players quite happy. Cause you know, I was kind of taking their stuff, but we were in a, it wasn't a big, we were in a very small room with a lot of people, a lot of big guns, but that way they couldn't move. They couldn't shoot each other because, you know, any miss with a shotgun, you're going to hit your friends. So they didn't want to do that. And so I was just able to go full blender and used being a street samurai. My you go first. Yeah, I went first. And you I go had a lot. The smart linked gun. I yeah. have a, and I had the muscle grafts. I had the, the reflex. I had everything. I was armored. So, I go first. I just immediately I gun down the top level people, and then of course, their underlings are going to shoot me back. But I say to them, "Why shoot me? No one's paying you now. You can work for me." The game sure let me get a you know, like an intimidation roll off of that or a persuasion. I forget what it was. And they just you know a couple of them actually went and thought about that for a sec. It's like, "Huh, wait a minute. I'm not getting paid right now, am I?" 
But this guy just killed like half the people in the room before I was able to move. Um, but they had a street samurai. They had a couple street samurai too. So they of course were high on the kill first list. Of course, first to die were first the big boss, then the mages. You, know, you got to kill the mages first. But see, just, let's see. Like I said, man, you're your target. But it showed the power of the street samurai in that I was able to be in a crowded room of guys full of guns. And it didn't matter if they were trying to shoot me. As long as I killed the wizards first and then made sure their street samurai didn't want to fight me, I was able to take out everyone without breaking a sweat. Uh, basically, it was just mowing, parting them like Moses through the Red Sea because I was able to use more weapons, be faster, be stronger, and just gut everything there. Kind of ruined the adventure, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, For you. Well, it was fun for me. <laughs> Of course, one of the team, one of our team members was a cop. That's kind of why I didn't want him in there. And, you know, but basically after you know, like a couple rounds, they run into the abattoir, and like, what the hell happened? I you know it's like self defense. You know, that's all I, all I can say at that point. But the, but through multiple adventures of playing a street samurai. Yeah, you had the issues with you know wizards trying to mess with you, but you were always able to step up. You could wade through most combats. If you were smart, you didn't even have to really worry about damage. Unless the game master was mad at you. But usually, take some cover. Don't get in the middle of the way of heavy weapons fire. Take out snipers. Take out wizards. And you are... It's a lot of fun to play. Uh, especially if you start doing stuff like chasing the next cybernetic. You know, trying to do a little better. Uh, try and play up your losing humanity, you know, as a role-playing hook. But it, and it's... One of the most fun classes to play because it's also it's fun to kind of tool around like oh I can make this you're almost like building a robot in a lot of ways I'll have this and this and this but other than that it's fun because you are a blunt instrument you know it's like yes yeah, yes I, no there there is no finesse about you 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 are a hammer yes and it's fun to be the hammer occasionally it is. It not is. Over, all the time but. Because usually I play more talkie talk roles. I love playing bards and rogues and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love playing mages because uh, rather than a hammer, they're a scalpel. Right. You know, um, you, you can you, you can choose to only do this and no one will see you. you. That guy died and no one knows how it happened. Where where if it's a street samurai kills one guy, everyone knows how that happened because there's blood everywhere. You yeah, know, it's exactly. like, oh, crap. Yeah, I mean, I usually prefer to play like the more charismatic cl classes were a swashbuckler, a rogue, where I could talk my way into or out of a situation uh, and take yep. adventures in a whole different directions. Um, right. But it, it's also fun occasionally to play the hammer, play the street samurai, walk yep. in and say, surrender everyone or I will kill each of you. You Point at someone, you will die first. And then when they say, oh, no! Oh, and... and, uh, and okay, yeah. but in, in, in my group, uh, whenever... Uh, whenever there was like a, a rescue mission or an escort mission, uh, the samurai would always say, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> oh, you have to. You have to. <laughs> you have to. You have to. It's true. But anyway, that that is my uh, my my Shadowrun segment for archetypes for the popular ones. So I, I, I hope that this uh, this entices you to uh, look up Shadowrun. Uh, whether or not you play first, second, first or second edition like, like I do, or you, you play the current edition, which I believe it's up to five. Yeah, I think uh, they're on 5th edition now. Yeah, and from, fifth, fifth from what I've uh, read, it's actually very well received. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the, the whole attribute system has changed. 
you know, I, I, I've read enough about it to know that there, there are more attributes here. There are less attributes there. They, they've, they've tooled it up, but uh, um, it, it still has the same feel. It still has the, the, the same world. Uh, it has more stories because it's in the future. I mean, it, it, the, uh, each edition advances the timeline of the world. So, so not only do you have everything you had uh, in the first edition, uh, 20 you know 2028 or 202032 you now you're in 2048 2050 2060 in the in the fifth edition and you have more story to go through it's great yeah absolutely so absolutely pick up a book you're not gonna be disappointed uh get, get, get a book get a couple friends have them read it boom you, you got a group every time and i'm not recommending this but i have heard it is possible to download pdfs of some things on the internet of out of print books. I'm just saying, I've heard this. I would recommend doing it. Yes. Uh, illegally, I would not recommend either. But if, if you go to the FASA website, you can download first edition, second edition, third edition of Shadowrun, of Earthdawn, uh, PDF files of it. And if you have a group, you just get, get a Google Drive and say, hey, re, uh, read this book. If you want to play it, let's play. And then if they play once or twice, they will buy the main book themselves. And then now everyone has the book. You're all on the same page. It's great. It is indeed. Well, thank you very much, Free the Dog, for that exciting run of the most popular, and I, I would support that, uh, archetypes within... Is it archetypes? I think it's archetypes. It's archetypes. Within Shadowrun First Edition. You're welcome, Garthon. All right. So, um, as always, be sure to check out Heathen Dog. You'd also check out his streams uh, throughout the week where he streams Star Trek online. You want to talk a little about that? Yeah, so we actually I stream on uh, Mondays and Thursdays at, uh, what is it, noon, noon central. And uh, we follow, follow the adventures of Fleet Admiral Buck Fats McCool. That's oh. right. In, that's right. In 42, 42 episodes it took to go from level one to level 60. And I'm only two-thirds of way uh, all the way through the content. So there's so much content left, left to do at, at max level. But I'm telling you right now. Uh, the, the the way they revamped combat. Uh, once you hit level sixty, the enemies become no joke. So uh, Buck McCool is now a fleet he's admiral. A, he's a fleet admiral who dies a lot more often than he used to. He must have like pictures of Admiral Okeg or something. That's all I could guess. <laughs> but also, you and I uh, uh, drop a video on YouTube every day. Uh, the Legion of Myth uh, team up uh, for uh, Star Trek Online. We're up to, I think, episode f uh, 14. Has uh, it really the, been that many? Well, I, I don't think they've all dropped yet. I think Monday is going to be episode 14. But uh, yeah, and uh, the, what we do there is we go through Foundry missions. Foundry missions are player-made content approved by by a STO. And uh, it has their own stories. They're, they're allowed to use old characters, uh, established characters, copyrighted characters, because, because they know that Star Trek is going to own their content anyway. So they can do whatever they want with it. You know, I mean, if, if, if they have a, uh, uh, if, they, if there was a, a TV show story that they thought that should have had more to it, then they make, they make a Foundry episode with more to it. Like the one where uh, Janeway in Paris turn into weird lizard people and yes. have babies and have babies yes what happened to those babies you can go back to the delta quadrant and find this this brand new emergent species of hyper intelligent uh, amphibians and they 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 revere their parents Janeway and Paris 
or Paraway is what, is, is what they call their gods or something like that. If you want to do that, you can do it. It's great. And so far, the ones we've played have been good. Yeah, I, we went through one long uh, five-part five series. Yeah. Infinite started Realities. Out, started yeah. out good, then Start got weak, but meh. got great at the end. Oh, yeah, episodes four and five hit it out of the park. It's great. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, that's what I got. Well, thank you very much. Highly recommend that to everyone. And as always, tune in for more of Heathen Dog's excitement. Next week for Heathen Dogma, I think we're getting more anime on the stream. Am I right? You are correct, sir. I always look forward to that. Well, thank you very much. Let us move on to something else. Something you may love, something you should love. It is... Yes, Garthon's Comic Poll, where Garthon pulls comics and tells you about them. First book this week is Secret Empire number one. So conflicted. So conflicted. As you see from the splash page, I got a Captain America jacket. He is my favorite superhero. I know. I know. But let's talk about Secret Empire number one. First, it was written by Nick Spencer. The art is by Steve McNiven. McNiven, to say it more clearly. Uh, who also did the cover. That's a nice cover. It is. All it right. is. I like it. Backstory. Real quick sum up. Kobik, the living, the uh, physical manifestation of the power of the Cosmic Cube, who was a little girl, believed the Red Skull was her daddy, and to make her daddy happy, rewrote history. The way history is rewritten is that Steve Rogers has always been an agent of Hydra. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. That's why you got that uh, internet famous scene of Captain America looking at a guy. At, well, it's actually Dr. Selvig. Uh, Ernest Selvig, originally from the Thor films. Uh, looking at him, all bound and gagged, and saying Hail Hydra. Because his whole past was rewritten. Okay. <laughs> Beldar says I'll slap Max with a Twitch, but it says you start in 10 minutes, not 50 minutes ago. We need to fix that. So yeah, slap Max for me. Good to see you, Beldar. All right, so Captain America is now the prime guy in charge of Hydra. Now, Hydra, they do a lot of work, or they have done, in this buildup to separate the Nazis from Hydra. A lot of work. You know, like Hydra was, a, was an, uh, an organization that existed before the Nazis. They ended up throwing in with the Nazis because the Nazis created a new world order. They were going to, the idea was once they won, they would take over from, from the Nazis. But that didn't pan out. No. And so, at the end of the war, you know, they uh, just kind of went silent for a while. And Captain America became a sleeper agent. Now, Hydra knew that he was going to get trapped in the ice and go to the future. And he would cause her to create their new empire. Apparently, through no, their no, magic. No, no, because of that magic pool thing. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, here's the thing. I hate evil Cap. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Just, I've said it before, I cannot stand it. I love Captain America. He's my favorite hero. Truth, justice, the American way. Stands up for what's right. He is the Boy Scout. I, he stands for what's good and right. And I hate I know what your butt is going to be. They, I, I know I what know your butt you, is going to be. I know you do, because I've said it before. <laughs> but... And I, and I hate that he's now evil. And it's like, no, I'm a total autocrat who's making thing, who's slapping down and destroying all freedoms and liberty because I'm saving and helping people. 
and made him evil. I hate it, but the writing, Nick Spencer's writing is so strong that he's able to pull it off. There, there were times when I was reading this book when I was like, yeah, I get it. And I'm like, what am I thinking? Yeah, um, it, this is a great example of this. Even the whole buildup to this. Um, and this is Marvel's new big event, Secret Empire, cross comics. And Nick Spencer's done a great job building it up, done a great job setting it up. I hate Evil Cap. I hate what's happening, but it's so well written, and I gotta know how it ends. I, I really, really hope it doesn't end. Marvel has a history with these big events. They start out strong, not all the time, but I'll give them a good 80%. Starts out super strong, gets really interesting, and then ends with a poof, and you're like, what was this? What was, what, what? And just ends with a whimper, and you just wonder what the hell. Uh, yeah, one great example. It's, it's like a, oh no, it's 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 like a, a Mace Windu originally apparently was supposed to be written to die off screen, and Samuel Jackson was like, Nah, man, no, 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 no. You can't have you can't have the Windu die off screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But with this, an, an example from Marvel's past would be Secret Invasion. In Secret Invasion, the Scrolls had been slowly invading Earth again actually replacing a lot of the prime Marvel heroes. And so all of a sudden, like all these high, you know, very highly placed, very important public heroes were revealed to actually be scrolls. And they were going to take over the world. There's this huge war. And oh, you can't don't, don't know who to trust because they might be a scroll or might not. It was a great buildup. Very interesting. And it ends with Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, using a sniper rifle to shoot the scroll queen in the head, which somehow ended the war. And somehow it got on film. And somehow everyone, oh, well, if he shot that woman in the head, he must be a hero. And somehow that ended the war and made him a hero. And then he was, like, put in charge of the Avengers or something. What? Terrible. Terrible. And Marvel has a history of doing that kind of crap. Like, uh, you can go back to Secret Wars 2. Secret Wars 1 was awesome. Secret Wars 2 ends with the Beyonder going, oh, well, really? Oh, I'm sorry, and leaving. You know, it was just, what the hell? Anyway, you could point to many, many instances where Marvel had a big event and it ended very badly. And I'm worried that this is going to end with Kobik, the entity, the Cosmic Cube, Kobik coming back because she's gone right now. Yeah, the the, the cube is, has cracked or something like that. Right, they shattered the cube and they destroyed her essence. Right. Um, Dr. Selvig was trying to put her back together. Uh, until Hydra agents stopped him. He was working with Hydra, but also kind of against him in that he wanted Kobik to be alive again, and Hydra just wants the cube. They don't want to deal with the little girl personality. And he kind of considered her his daughter in a way, and so he ended up like killing himself to make sure they couldn't put back the cube without her. Don't know how effective that was. But I'm worried they're just going to go, Kobik's going to come back and say, oh, I made a mistake, and poof, put everything back like it was. Yep, that's exactly, it's that, that sounds like it, yeah. And Nick Spencer is a good writer. Um, was it? He wrote The Fix, previous, I think, previously to this, which was a great series. Um, he's great at putting in these unexpected twists. So I'm hoping for better from him, because that's just way too obvious. It's what's kind, this kind of junk that's happened in the past, and I hope they avoid that. But let's get back to what's happening in this. Uh, this has been building for a long time, throughout multiple titles, mainly Captain America. Um, also, Thunderbolts, 
Champions, I think, kind of is in there. Inhumans, a few others. But Captain America and Hydra have taken over America. It is now a fascist regime under the com control of their great commander and great leader, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Um, total fascist state, but they uh, have a lot of mind control going on through Dr. Faustus, a few other things. And what's actually was funny with that from the comic is actually hilarious because they start mentioning how they're like controlling the populace through mind control. And they bring up a lot of like conspiracy theories that they're actually yeah, using. fluoride. Yeah, fluoride like in the water. Like we need to up the up the mind control chemicals. And also a new chemtrail formula is coming through. It's like, <laughs> you just it's like all, to... all of the conspiracy theories they're actually enacting. Yeah, they're actually using them. Hilariously funny. And what what I thought was really cool was the whole uh, the whole uh, um, school scene where they're rewriting history. Oh yeah, they actually starts out with this kid going to school, and after this bell rings, they all start getting up and yell "Hail Hydra!" And then as the teacher's teaching them history, one of the students is like, "Wait, but it's like who started the super soldier program?" Oh, Dr. Erskine did. Like, no, no, those were the history books we burned. No, that's the false history. It's actually Arnim Zola. It's like, who is evil? He was even in yeah. the Captain America movie. So it's like pieces of the real history are still there because Captain America's history is written, not the world's. But through what he's done, he's managed to convince everyone, and also through the mind control drugs in the water, that everyone's like, oh, wow, the Allies actually didn't win World War II. Hydra won. But then the Allies made everyone forget that. Oh, because the Allies are so evil. And it's working on people. And it's kind of scary. It's very kind of terrifying You see what's happening in society where a lot of people are just going along with it. You know, unemployment's down because of the new Hydra work programs. You know, crime is down 75% because they're shooting everyone who does anything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J uh, jaywalking is like you get kneecapped. Yeah, so it's... Uh... But it, what I do like seeing is Cap is actually still kind of conflicted. He, he's trying to build a better tomorrow through fascism and evil. But there's still like the personal losses. He, just, he doesn't want to unnecessarily be cruel. He's like, we're trying to build a new right. society. And his general's like, no, you need to clamp down these people with force. You know, we've had these – there are 20 prisoners supposed to have been executed, and we keep delaying that. We need to kill these guys right away. Which causes a great scene with him and Rick Jones. Uh, Rick Jones. Oh has a, yeah, that was that was heartbreaking. Oh, it was. And Rick Jones has a very long history. He's like the permanent sidekick of the Avengers and Marvel universe. Originally started out, he actually first appeared in Incredible Hulk number one. Yes, because he 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 was the idiot who was who was running around on the on the on the gamma bomb test site that yes. Banner had to had to go and save. Yep, when. Bruce Banner ran out in the, new, in the Gamma Ray test site and got hit with a bomb that made him turn him into Hulk. He was actually trying to rescue Rick Jones when that happened. He successfully rescued Rick Jones from the bomb, but did not rescue himself. Yep, and after that, uh, Rick Jones became the Hulk's buddy, him and his junior radio corps, or uh, I think that was what they're called, now would basically like use their ham radios, it was the 60s, uh, to talk to each other, to alert each other of super crimes going on and the Hulk's whereabouts and Eventually, Rick Jones transitioned to Captain America's sidekick and actually became Bucky for a while. Yeah, and for a while, yes. For a while. And then he they even – so there's this great scene uh, where Rick Jones, who more recently has become an intelligence broker, uh, underground information, uh, kind of like the WikiLeaks of the superhero Marvel world. You know, 
the things that need to be said and no one's willing to say them, he's willing. He will dig out the info and give it to everyone on the internet. He is Rick Assange. Right. Well, that's right. actually a nice. And actually, when you look at what he was doing back in like the Junior Radio Corps days or whatever it was with the ham radios, it was the same thing. Because he was doing a lot of stuff like, oh, the military won't tell you this, guys, but here's what's actually happened to the Hulk. He rescued all these people. He's doing the same thing over the internet. I love that. That was actually a great idea for Rick Jones's character. So, because that makes so much sense, it goes back to where he started, and what he likes to do. Peach <laughs> Mike, the dark WikiLeaks. Um, so, Rick Jones is in prison because he's, you know, telling stuff about was, the secret empire yeah. that's not supposed to. He's in prison, and you you know pretty quick that he's one of the executions that Captain America has been delaying. And he goes to Rick Jones in the prison, and he's singing a Queen song, I Want to Break Free, because he's in prison. And Cap starts talking to him like, I remember that song. You gave it on me in the mixtape after I came out of the ice, something I needed to listen to. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he says, okay, Rick, look, we've been friends for a long time. You're in this prison. All you need to do to get out of this prison, even if you don't mean it, I just need you on tape. Record it in front of everyone saying Hail Hydra. You don't even need to meet it. Just say Hail Hydra. And and, and say you're sorry. And what? And say, say you're sorry for doing this. Yeah, say you're sorry and say Hail Hydra and it's all go away. And Rick just looks at him and goes back to singing the song. No, but at the end, what was really uh, most the was heartbreaking for me. Oh, was God. Through the scene, it, you actually oh. see him get drug out. Tied to a post. No, 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 no. That's not it. It's before that. Oh, you said at, 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 at the when, when when Cap was leaving, Rick Jones said, "Cap, I know you're in there. Oh yeah. You're you're better than this. You're gonna win. I believe in you. I will always believe in you." And you're as he walks away, Cap just has the saddest look on his face, like the most conflicted look. It, it's just great job by the artist there. Just. Uh, by Steve McNiven, just the conflicted look on his face, but he walks out. And then in in the final moments of the book, they end up, you see Hydra agents dragging Rick out to the yard, tying him to a post. And as the Hydra agents point the guns at him in the firing squad, his last words are "Avengers assemble," and then they gun him down. Oh, wait, wait, stop, stop. What? He said "Avengers assemble." He yelled it, and I believe. He believed at that moment Captain America was going to save him. It's very possible he believed that was going to happen, but the next frame then, is of a, nope. a bloody corpse hanging from a pole. Yep, that was just shattering. Oh yeah, it was chilling to see. But it also does a great job showing just how far things have gone. Um, a lot of the comic deals with Cap's relationship with uh, Sharon Carter, Agent 13, his girlfriend, who is still old. How come he got to be young and she had to stay old? That annoys me. I don't know. Anyway. So. Excuse me, kind of trying to collect my thoughts. But he's trying to deal with her and say, no, look, Sharon, you know, I still love you. I never lied about that. I just lied about everything else so I could go and create a new world order where everyone's safe and peaceful. Isn't that what we want? And even she's like, this isn't Steve, I know. This isn't. What's wrong? He's like, no, this is who I am. So I've always been this way. I'm still the same person. Come on. And, you know, it seems like he's still trying, even against Kobik's reprogramming of his history, to still be a good person. 
and he's still trying to get all his people he loved. Like, no, look, I, I'm still, I'm still the person you love. Come on, what's? Everything's better now, right? And everyone's like, no, you're evil. Don't you get yeah, that? But, you're evil. Yeah, in his in his mind though, Hydra is not evil. Right, Hydra is the stabilizing force that can save the world. Yes, yes, and 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 that is what keeps him going. You know, I mean, he he hates dealing with the other Hydra people because he sees them as not the Hydra ideal. Right. As most of them he sees as violent and brutish, and he does not want to do things that way. But that also shows, like, the inherent conflict. I, I think Nick Spencer's doing a good job showing the inherent conflict of Captain America's character. His, not not like he is a character, but as his inner core strength, his beliefs, and what his past has now become. It lines up in a way, but he's still trying to be a better person, and that actually doesn't line up with what he's created. And there's that dissonance there, and I think the writer's done a great job capturing that. Um, you also see a bit of the resistance. Um, starts out with the champions, you know, Amadeus Cho Hulk, um, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, uh, Viv, Vision, the Vision's daughter. Um, who else Ultimate Octopus. Well, he's not one of the good guys. He's one of the bad guys. Well, no, this was a girl. This was a girl octopus, I thought. I didn't see a girl octopus. I thought I thought that was. On their anyway. team? No. Anyway. Yeah, I thought, yeah. um, they do show a, a scene of Otto Octavius, the superior octopus. The superior doctor. There octopus. you go. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. he's a bad guy. They show a scene of him, but he's working with Hydra. Not because right, he right. believes in Hydra, but because uh, they recognize his genius and are willing to let him do whatever he wants, essentially. And you got his new you know, perfected clone body, so he's down with that. And it's not based off Peter Parker. It's based on his... Well, it's a mix of Parker and his DNA. So he's kind of in the body of his own kid with Peter Parker. That's kind of creepy. Enough about that, though. Um, the Resistance stuff didn't really pique my interest that much. It was kind of what I expected. It's been seen a lot of times. It was seen in... Oh, uh, gosh. The moment the hammers that came from the Siege. It was seen in Siege. It was seen in... Not Secret War, Civil War, their first Civil War series. It's been done. You know, it, that didn't really get anything. Uh, kind of, that kind of revolves around just this random guy who Rick Jones had contacted, ran kind of randomly over the internet so it couldn't be tracked very quick, gave him all the data that came from Selvig's computers that could show that Steve Rogers' past was corrupted and take down Hydra, apparently. And he's trying to get these people, and the holographic representation of Tony Stark who is an electronic drunkard of some kind, apparently, just doesn't want to deal with it because he's had too much disappointment recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's the He was like a brain scan taken of Tony Stark when he was an alcoholic. And as, a, as an AI, he can't drink alcohol anymore, so he's all angry all the time. Well, he can't drink alcohol, but what he does is he alters his uh, programming to be drunk. So that way he can still be drunk. He just alters and... his... Uh, pro anyway... And, and, and he makes the Ant-Man cry sometimes. Yes, yes. <laughs> but he, he actually lays out why he's being so difficult to work with recently, that he's like, because the guy brings him the USB stick with all the data, like, this will take your house. He's like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? You still have hope? What about, uh, he na starts naming all these examples of when they, like, attacked Arnim Zola's fortress because they believe Cap was under mind control. Uh, guess what? He's not under mind control. 
uh, where they thought Cap was actually secretly reaching out to him because he was a double agent. And so they set up a secret meeting. And guess what? He's not a double agent. It was a secret meeting. It was a trap. And 68 people died. And just lay all these things out where they thought they had, oh, oh, this will save Cap and bring down Hydra. And they kept holding out all this hope that Cap was still there. And every time it was a trap and they got destroyed. And hundreds have died. And it's like, I'm not dealing with your stupid data right now. I have this to look at. This is actually promising. That is not. Even though, of course, we know as the reader that actually that is very promising. and That is the thing to get. Yeah, he put it in the Thursday pile and it was Monday. Yes. So, all in all, um, a big, thick book. Good art. Uh, really nicely paced. Really nicely drawn. Really nicely colored. Um, does a, The artist, uh, Steve McNiven, does a great job conveying emotion through his characters. Um even like the very first part of it where you get Captain Marvel in, and the Ultimates uh, uh, outside of Earth's protective shield that they can't get back through with trying to weather endless Chitauri assaults that Steve Rogers has set up to get them destroyed, to get basically sent all the greatest threats to his empire outside of Earth's atmosphere to defend the Earth, quote-unquote. And then when they were getting attacked by Chitauri, he put up the giant shield, said, ha, you can't get back in. And so they're just getting destroyed out there. And it's really sad. So that was a nice setup. I was glad they didn't spend too much time on it. But even that, you just get this air of hopelessness all around. And yes, the resistance that's is... the tone for the book, exactly. Yes, the resistance is futile and sad. And uh, they're not even organized in any real way. And you just... So it's a great setup. Um, really well written really well drawn just draws you into it makes you hate and also feel sorry for captain america which is weird you know just kind of pity what he's become and you just see like he's trying to convince all these people like no no i'm doing what's good and or he's even talking to mad the madam hydra and he's like oh man you know i'm trying to do the best she's like no you can do it you can do it and you just feel sorry for him and you also hate him because he's evil so great job from Nick Spencer on this. Um, great opening salvo. I'll give it four and a half out of five. Really liked yeah. it. Yes, it was extremely well written. Uh, the, the, the the art matched the writing perfectly. And it had great pacing. I mean, you're right. I mean, this, the, this, this book was out of the park. Yeah, there's a lot of different stories woven in through here. But it never gets confusing. No, it's it's all seamless. Yeah. My description is more confusing than the book. True, because it's kind of out of order. But you don't want to lay out. And this happens on page three, then on page four. You don't want to lay that out. Yeah, but, yeah. And and then then we're we're not professional writers, so you know. There well, it is. speak for yourself. I was once paid thirty five cents. Burn. For um. But <laughs> this is very well laid out. It's a great Secret Empire Zero was a great intro to what's about to happen. But this is a great issue one. You don't necessarily need to have read everything previously. It helps. Especially Secret Empire number zero. Or Yes, zero to, I think is pretty good. Yeah. Today was free comic book day, and there was a Secret Empire free comic book, which would actually laid out very nicely the history and got you ready for number one. But that was today, so if you didn't get it, there might be some extra issues here at a local friendly comic book store. Maybe not. At that's the local comic book stores I go to, they're all gone. So uh but hey, your mileage may vary. But that was Secret Empire number one.
Highly recommended. Four and a half out of five from Garthon. What was your rating, Heathen Dog? No, I agree completely. I, I'm I'm not pushing the override button on this one. <laughs> you do have that right, of course. <laughs> Next book we're going to talk about is Spider-Man number 16. Not a Secret Empire tie-in. Which I kind of would hope it would be, but you know what? I'm fine with it not being. That's fine. Um, this book is another Marvel comic book. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, one of Marvel's writing golden boys. Um, the cover artist is Sarah Pacelli, but the actual interior artist is Oscar Bazaldua. Bazaldua? B-A-Z-A-L-D-U-A. Okay. Yeah. I will say this. The art is different than the previous artist, but it is fantastic. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I am not... I'm not blown away by the cover, though. No, the cover's different. I like the cover. Uh, not great. I don't love the cover. Um, no. it has The cover has nice action on it, but it's very cartoony. That's something I would expect yeah. to see in a Saturday morning cartoon. Right. A good Saturday morning cartoon. But the interior art is a nice... It's definitely American comic book style, but with a definite uh, Japanese influence, like Japanese anime influence. So it works. It's very smooth, very flowing. I chose this book. I that, I actually had a toss-up of choosing my second book this week between X-Men Gold number three, Superman number I think it's 22, and Spider-Man number 16. They're all great books. But I chose Spider-Man because in this in the last issue, or I think it was the last issue, yeah. His mother found out that he was Spider-Man. On top of that, she also found out that her husband knew her son was Spider-Man and didn't tell her. And her husband, who was an ex-Shield agent, was in fact working for Shield again and didn't tell her. So she felt completely betrayed by her whole family. Everyone she loves and trusts the most didn't confide this in her. They were trying to protect her, but of course she didn't see it that way. They were lying to her. They were even coordinating between each other, like, oh, I have to do this. Oh, I'll cover for with your mom, you know. If he started doing badly at school, and her mother's worried he's on drugs or getting in with a bad crowd, his dad knows he's doing Spider-Man stuff. And no one's telling her. And so half of this comic, actually the whole comic, deals with the aftermath of that. Because at first his mom just didn't want to talk to him. And so in this book, they actually end up meeting up, like after a school day, because he actually works. He actually goes to a, a lo, semi-local boarding school uh, for gifted youth, because he is a very gifted individual. He's very smart, hardworking. Miles Morales is a smart guy. And they have a nice conversation about, you know, all right, who else knows this? Your father knows. And it's kind of the questions you would expect a mother to ask in this situation. How long have you been Spider-Man? How did you get your powers? You know, and then he, you know, he tells her, "Well, I was bitten by a genetically modified spider." He, she's like, "Come on!" Like, no, seriously, no one believes you ever say that. You know, and it's just this wonderful. It's sad. It's tense, but it felt so real. Uh, like these, like what questions would you ask? How long have you been doing this? How did it happen? Have you always been like this? Typical mother questions. And he asks, like, are you bad at me? And she says, you know, 
I told you when you were little. No matter what you do, you could rob 50 banks. I'm your brother and I will always love you. Being Spider-Man, I still love you. He's like, but are you mad at me? And she just doesn't answer him. Yeah. <laughs> A lot. Right. But it's just exactly what you would expect from that kind of moment, you know? You know? And they just do this great job showing it. And then she goes to the story about when she was a kid watching a movie, she can't remember the name of it, where this woman thought she was in a position of prestige and power and loved by everyone and adored. And then she found out that actually, slowly, she found out that all the people she thought held her in high regard actually mocked her and thought she was foolish. And she was living a lie and she was just fooling herself. And she never told him about it. It always haunted her, that memory of that woman who was a fool and thought everyone were admired and loved her. And in fact, they were all lying to her. And now she finds herself in that situation. It's like she, and she says to him, I guess I just thought, what could be worse than finding out your whole life was a lie? And after that, she just kind of walks off crying. And he tries to get to her through the crowd, but of course she gets lost in the crowd. And it's just this wonderful, it's sad, but it feels so honest and real of what would happen in the situation. I just loved it in the, because of that. And you see that go on in the comic, in that that night, his best friend, and, well, his two roommates are kind of arguing about like how it'd be cool to have powers, because one of them actually is a mutant named Gold Balls, very like C-list X-Man, you know? Um, and they're kind of arguing, oh, it'd be cool to have powers. No, it's not cool to have sentries coming after you. And Miles just can't take the crap. He's like, I'm done with you. I, I can't take it. I, I got to go. So he just goes out and like, but you have a test. And I was like, I can't take it. Because he's just, you know, still torn off about his mother. He ends up stopping a purse snatcher. You know, and the woman thanks him and gives him a hug and, and appreciates it. When he turns back, the guy had a knife and cut himself out of the web and ran off. So he chases the guy down. The guy's hiding in this bar. He walks in. And of course, like the bar is all seedy thugs. And it just turns into this giant fight, right? And Miles, Spider-Man, just tears up everyone in this bar. Just cracks skulls, breaks pool cues. You know, if someone tries to attack the pool cue, just breaks it over his arm, just smacks him in the head. He's got spider strength and reflexes. You can't surprise him. You can't hurt him. He just... And by the end of it, you don't see any emotion on his face because he's wearing the mask. And he just wrecks everyone in this place. And it ends with him looking at this bar just covered in uh, unconscious bodies. People moaning on the floor, and he goes, oh no. Because he just let his rage of what's going on in his life take over. He didn't even think, oh, I should wait for that guy outside, or be able to this guy, grab that guy and run. No, he takes on everyone. Just beats the snot out of everyone. And so it's not the happiest book, but it just felt real in what would happen in that situation. Just the emotions going through. The... Uh, how everyone dealt with it. And so I just really, really liked this book because of that. It does start out with a quick vignette where Hammerhead and Black Cat bust into someone's operation they call Mr. D. Um, figure who that is on your own. And uh, basically take all the stuff, you know, take his warehouse, burn the place down, and tell his guards, you know, run for your life, tell Mr. D I did this, and to stay out of my territory. So they're setting up a Black Cat angle. Well, continuing to set it continuing to set up a black cat angle in the book but uh 
most of it focuses on his relationship with his mother and his frustrations. And it just felt so real for a Spider-Man book. I really liked it. Wow, that's powerful stuff. I thought so. That's why I chose this book. I mean, the X-Men Gold number three uh, also had a neat twist in it. They were wrapping up a story of, like, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants showed up. Uh, quick sum up of that. It turned out that Mesmer, the, brother, the so-called new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, were actually all being mind-controlled by Mesmero to go call themselves the Brother of Evil Mutants to do evil mutant stuff because he was paid to by the senator who's starting an anti-mutant crusade. So that was a neat twist. And of course, uh, the X-Men then go to this woman's house and say, yeah, yeah, we uh, talked to Mesmero, we shook him out, and he told us that you paid him to mind-control all these idiots to cause mutant violence so you can crusade against and get elected and get more votes. And she's like, yeah, whatever, prove it. You can't do anything. I hold all the cards. You have nothing, muties. And you can't come to my house and threaten me because I have all the cards. Ha, ha, ha. She's like, I'm not threatening you. I was giving you a chance to stand down. And then they end up, you know, like, teleconnecting, lifting there and choking her out and saying, now we're threatening you. Leave us alone. Knock this off. Or we are coming for you. You can't do this crap to us. And then they walk out. She's like, who do you think you are? And she's like, we're the X-Men. And, you know, dramatic ending. So that was cool. Uh, also, Superman 22, I was, thought about choosing that one because a lot of stuff comes to the head where the creepy neighbor, you actually start seeing just how evil he is. And apparently the, the town they live in, the whole thing is apparently a sham, and they've been monitoring Superman and his family the whole time. And there's some weird, creepy stuff. I'm not sure if it's magic or aliens or what going on. But uh, that was really neat. But this one struck me as the most real, um, with the most cohesive story. Uh, the art is great. The writing is great. And it's a very human situation. And one you don't really think of too often. As to, like who you hurt on the way. And it, makes you, it just kind of makes you think. And so I really appreciated this book and what it was doing. And also goes to show the typical, you know, you know, Spider-Man has always been great in showing just because you have superpowers doesn't mean your life is going to be good. In fact, it's probably going to be a lot more complicated. And this is a great book for that. Which is why, as I've said before, the Miles Morales Spider-Man book is far, far better than The Amazing Spider-Man right now. So I would give this one a 4, four out of 5. Maybe 4.5, but I'm going to go with a solid 4 out of 5. Really liked it. I haven't read it, so I can't override, but I don't feel like I need to. Nah, I just... Um, it, sounds, it sounds good. It is a good book. At, uh, Brian Michael Bendis' run on Spider-Man has just been great. I've really enjoyed... I've at least liked every issue. There haven't been an issue I'm like, this is junk, man. There's been some great issues and some okay issues, but overall, it's very good. Um, it is, to me, what a Spider-Man book should be. I, th I think I've said before, like of all the Spider-Man books, there are a lot of them right now. The Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows is probably what Amazing Spider-Man should be. It's a great book. Spider-Man is probably the best Spider-Man title right now. So take that. The Amazing Spider-Man is probably the worst Spider-Man title right now. Spider-Gwen is a better Spider-Man title than The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, that that sounds like I said I should say ouch. Yeah, you probably should. Um, 
Dennis Hopeless has been writing Spider-Man too long. He needs to get off the book. He's done. He's burnt. Get him away from Spider-Man immediately. Uh, uh, He should be done with all Marvel titles and start working for DC. He's a competent writer who can be great, but he's done at Marvel. He's burnt. You gotta let him rest. You know, you can't milk the same cow over and over again. You gotta let him rest. Let him go somewhere else. Use his creative juice. Get his creative juices back. Work with different characters, different world set, because he is just boinking up Spider-Man hard. Amazing Spider-Man. Anyway, let's go to our last book, kids. Now that I've uh, whined about Dennis Hopeless again, can't go a podcast without doing that. Batman number 22. Wah ha 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 ha. That's some, there's some dead people in that cover. Um, this is part three of the ominously named The Button. Come on, DC. Come on. The Button, you couldn't do better. At least they didn't put Crisis on Infinite Somethings in there. I'll give them that. <laughs> crisis of the Infinite Button. I guess what is becoming. Um, you and I both, are, I'll let you give the quick synopsis of this one since I know you read it. Okay, okay. Uh, well, uh, Batman found a button, and if you if you have seen or heard or heard whispered about uh, the comic series or the movie The Watchmen, then you know exactly what this button is. It's it's the uh, it's the button that the hero slash antihero, uh, the comedian, wore in in the Watchers universe, and uh, it, it appeared in Batman's cave. So he was trying to analyze it, and he figured out that. This is not from this this world. It's from somewhere else because it, he knows enough. He's worked with the Flash enough to where he knows it vibrates at a different frequency. So he called the Flash to have him come over. Well, Thawne, you know, Eobard Thawne came first, uh, started started to beat up Batman to uh, kill Eobard him. Eobard Thawne is also known as Reverse Flash. Re- reverse Flash, exactly right. And uh, you know, she was beating the crap out of Batman. And uh, he saw this button. He picked it up. He says, ooh, this is interesting. This isn't from this world. Let's see where this goes. And he left. And he came back. And half of his body disintegrated. And then the Flash shows up and goes, what? He investigates the scene. He figures out, well, he went to somewhere else where this button's from. And Batman's like, I'm going there too. So they they, they go and they, they crash. Good and they end up crashing. Course, yeah, thank you. And they end up crashing in Flashpoint. Which is which is where Batman number twenty two starts, and this breaks Barry's brain. He's like, "Why is Flashpoint still existing? This wasn't an alternate universe. This was an alternate history. I fixed it. All this should be done." And then Batman sees his father, who became Batman because in the Flashpoint universe, uh, uh, Bruce was killed and not him. Yeah, in the Flashpoint universe, Thomas Wayne became Batman to avenge the death of his son, and his wife, Martha, became, lost, it. lost it and became the Joker. Yes. So he, uh, this world was a cluster F. I mean, it was bad. It was the darkest version of DC ever. Horrible. Should be allowed to die. But for some reason, it didn't. It went, when, when Barry went back and fixed history, 
this thing still existed. So he's like, he's got to figure out why he's, he's got He's got to rebuild the treadmill, which broke in the crash. So while he's rebuilding a treadmill, uh, Batman and Batman's dad, who's also Batman, uh, ended up, ended up defending him long enough to put this thing together from, uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman who have, who have started a world war in Flashpoint. The only thing they agree upon is that Batman's got to die. So they sent, uh, all these, uh, all, all these, uh, killers to, to kill so Batman. A bunch well, of Amazons and, uh, Amazons and Atlanteans. Out, exactly right. So, uh, Batman and Batman's dad are fighting off these guys long enough for Barry to get the, get the treadmill fixed. And he finally fixed it. And apparently it was powering itself up. So Barry's like, uh, if we don't get on this thing, it's going to go without us. We got to, we got to scoot. And, uh, Batman's like, dad, you can come with us. And then at that moment, Barry's like, wait a minute, something happened. Whatever was holding this place together stopped. This place is dying now. And it's like, dad, you, you gotta come. I can save you. And then Batman's dad just pushed him onto the treadmill and said, go. Yeah, it basically like, tells Flash, remember yeah. how you said you'd save my son? You need to do it now. Go. And, and then, uh, and then ba- and Batman said that, I knew, I knew when Barry gave you a note, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, but I knew I couldn't tell you that you're a grandfather. I have a son. And then with, uh, right, right before the treadmill disappeared of its own accord, mind you, uh, Batman's dad, Thomas Wayne, said, listen to me. I want to tell you something, and I want you to understand me. Stop being Batman. Be a father to your son that I couldn't be to you. That is my dying wish. Do it. But we can save you. No, you can't. Go. Zip. And he's gone. Yep. And then then the whole world, the whole world is collapsing. The universe is collapsing. And and uh, Thomas Wayne Batman decides to just jump right in at anger and rage and decides to fight against the dying of the light. Yes. Exactly, exactly. He he jumps into the nothingness. Yep. But meanwhile, as they, as Flash and Batman on the uh, cosmic treadmill are leaping back toward their reality, they see Eobard Thawne running past them. They're like, wait, wait, how'd that? But he's, oh, we're actually yeah, at the point yeah, in time. Like, yeah, because they've traveled in time as well. And so they're at the point right before he dies. And they're trying to tell him, whoa, yeah. uh, don't go there. You're going to, like, die or something. And, uh, you know, it's not good. And uh, what is it he tells him? Uh, he says, I, 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 okay, okay. But anyway, he, they try to stop him and say, Thawne, your life's, you can't slow me down. And uh, it's like, Thawne, you have to stop. It's like, if you keep running, you'll die. It's like, you have, you have no idea all the things I've seen. I've, I've been, the places I've been, I know who the, I know the power of the button. Behind this button. Yeah, I know who the power of the button belongs to, and they've never faced someone like me. So in other words, he's going to go off, confront Dr. Manhattan, and get his butt killed. Yeah, and get his butt kicked hard, because but that's what happens when you have Dr. Manhattan. That explains how when when Flash encountered Reverse Flash's body in the Batcave, he said, whoa, he's not raiding with energy from Flashpoint. He's raiding with energy, with energy from our world, my energy. Yes, we are. We're good. And we're back. Uh, sorry with the technical issues, everyone. It uh, everything looked like it was still good on 
both me and Heath and Dog's ends, but I guess OBS decided didn't like us no more. Nope. Bad guys. Batman 22. That's where we yes. are. Uh, it was uh, written by Joshua Williams. Uh, story by Tom King and Joshua Williams. The penciler is Jason Fabcock, who just does a great job. Thanks, Mike. Good to be back. Baldhar, good to be back. Sorry, guys. Anyway, so it's been a very interesting run with Round 22. Uh, I'm not sure how long. Enough. It can't have been that long. We, I think we got our synopsis in. But it's a very interesting... I like the storyline they're doing. I don't know what the end goal is. Or like, meta-wise, are they trying to bring the Watchmen universe fully into the DC universe? Because it seems like they're trying to... For what they've hinted at before, they're trying to force, like Dr. Manhattan, to stop his universe from dying, I'm guessing. They're trying to force it to become part of mainline DC. And they've hinted well, at... Well, also, there, there, there isn't another option. If, if, if they're following the Watchmen series, Dr. Manhattan left the Earth, and he said, maybe I'll, I'll create... Right, maybe I'll create a new one, new universe. Maybe he saw this, he saw this pocket history being, being destroyed, and he stopped it. To see if he could fix it, if he could, you know, save these people or if he could save the universe and then use it as his Petri dish because it's not supposed to exist. So nothing else is going to get affected. You know, there's also that. Right. They very, very strongly hinted that New 52, uh, the the reboot of all of DC's properties where we got young Superman who everyone hated and weird emo Lobo who everyone hated um, and also new Batman that everyone loved. Um they're pretty strongly hinting that that was the creation of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Maybe not intentionally, but as an after effect of saving flashpoint. I don't think so. I think saving flashpoint was the after effect. Really? That he just held it open as an option. That's what I'm guessing. Cause it was, he thought it was interesting that someone else created a universe from a timeline. I'm thinking he just found it interesting and that his creation was new 52 and that he's trying to bring his world into it. Maybe so. Maybe That's so. my guess. All right, but to to me, this book was strong. It, it a lot of stuff happened, but it seemed really fast. The, the book seemed like a really fast read. Yeah, honestly, the book isn't the thickest book, but everything no. does kind of happen, bam, 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 right on you. And it's one of those that ends too quick, but that's a good sign. Not that it didn't have enough pages, but that the writing is tight and concise, and everything moves in a way like you can see. There's not a ton that happens. Basically, they crash. But they've already crashed last issue. So what happens new in this issue is they talk to Bruce Wayne's dad. Bruce Wayne kind of gets over the idea that his dad's there in front of him. He accepts it. And he's like, no, dad, come on. And then they, they beat up a bunch of guys while Flash fixes a treadmill. They get on and go home. That's the book. That's uh, not uh, they, a lot. They, they get on, go, go, go back to the time stream, see Thawne. Well, yes, yes. And then... Yeah, and that they don't actually get anywhere yet. If they, I, I hope that they're going to the Watchmen universe. I think that's what's happening at this point. Because they're Following not controlling Thawne. where it's going. Right. Because like I said, it, it powered itself up for some reason. So maybe uh, Dr. Manhattan is bringing them there. And to do that, he had to let Flashpoint die because Flashpoint was what's causing that turbulence that made him crash in the first place. Could be. It actually could be possibly... That Manhattan's or some outside force set up because they wanted 
Bruce Wayne to be able to reconcile with his dad before he goes. Maybe, maybe. I don't That's really think sappy. he cares about that. Well, Dr. Manhattan wouldn't. No. Unless it had an important bearing on future events. Maybe. But who knows? If Dr. Manhattan, yeah. as a fourth dimensional being, should be kind of unknowable. Especially the right. way he was originally written. You know, he didn't think like other people. And that's why in The well, Watchmen, yeah, he, he, he would he say stuff. He had been a god too long. Right. But like he's talking to his girlfriend in The Watchmen when they're on the surface of the moon. And he's like, I forget what the exact part was, but he's like, it's like, yes, you're going to yell at me. And in 32 seconds, you're going to cry. And he's like, what? And they start talking. And then he tells her something. And then, uh, which is actually kind of, and you think it's going to be like an argument, but he tells her something that makes her just sad. And then she ends up crying. You know, it's just, oh, I forget the exact, it was a great moment. But just shows that he's so removed at that point. And being fourth dimensional, time is all happening at once to him. He has no future and past. You know? He's just wormhole is. alien. He's a, he's a prophet. Yeah, he's a wormhole alien. Except not as annoying. <laughs> and naked. Nice. Because you don't need clothes if you're Dr. Manhattan. But then again, why would right. you need junk? Well, I guess he remembers having junk, so he figures, hey, why not? So... It's an interesting book so far. What I like about it, I, on a meta level, everyone knows where this is going. They're bringing Watchmen into mainline DC. Everyone knows this. It's obvious. What I like is how they're doing it. They are taking their time. They're not just, oh, hey, look, who's here? Woo, oh, yeah. No, they're making it an event, an interesting, slow-burn event. And I love that. And... DC but, has no, some... but okay. they're, they're making a slow burn event, but each episode of it is riveting and it seems it seems like it goes too fast because you're reading through it to get to the next page. Yes. You're like, what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? Oh, crap. I got to buy the next comic in this. What happens next? I mean, it's, it's, it's a slow progress to the goal, but you're thoroughly entertained on all the way there. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like what they've done with that. So. You know, kudos to DC on that. Kudos to... Yeah, yeah. Big ups. Um, I just forgot his name. Uh, to Joshua Williams, who is the writer. Just has done a great job with this. Uh, Williamson, sorry. Who's done a great job with the book. It's not the most arty book. It's not the deepest book, but it's a great read. Um, I appreciate it on the normal, just a standard comic level. It's fun to read, but also on the meta level what's going on, I appreciate it. So... Uh, I kind of stand by my current my this is my current position on DC and Marvel is right now DC has stronger books overall Marvel has stronger movies and so far nothing has really shaken my belief in that no no that, that that's 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 pretty much a fact yeah I mean even in comic sales Marvel's getting killed and Marvel said a lot of stuff to cause that that's it's Marvel's own fault but that's another story for RNG. Uh, I am going to give this book uh, either three and a half or a strong four out of five. Somewhere in there. I'll go four. I'll be generous. I really liked it. Yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna go four too. Uh, I would have given it a three and a half if it had the same art as the as the previous book in this. Uh, the Flash book. Yeah, the the Flash book. The art was a slapdash. It was like it was great on on important panels and on afterthought on anything else. But this book did not suffer from that. 
Every, right. every, every panel was purposeful. Every panel was well-written. It was thought out and it was, it was, it was head, head and shoulders better than the, than the, than the flash version of this. Of yeah. This uh, Jason Fabok, who did the penciling and inking on this book, just really knocked it out. Great job showing emotion on the characters. Character models were consistent, uh, great action scenes, um, even boring stuff. He made look interesting. So just great book overall. Not a great jumping on point, but this is part. No, of the no, you can't. You, you, yeah, you, you got to you got to go go back on a, a couple of the tie-ins before you. Yeah, get at least go to Batman Twenty One. You could pick yeah. up Batman Twenty One, be okay. Yeah. But fun. Of course, you really should read Flashpoint and you know, and and the Watchmen and, and also any series. Anyone. Yeah. No. No. You see, you don't need to read Flashpoint because in in the beginning of this book, Thomas Wayne. Uh, d- d- does does yeah, a quick three-page explanation universe. of all the Flashpoint universe? Yeah, he explains that whole thing. So pff, you don't need to read Flashpoint. You can read this, and sure, you you may miss on a nuance or two, but you're you're going to get the gist, and and you're you're going to be able to process it and move on. That being said, you really should read Flashpoint. It's really good. Yeah, it is. You really should. I mean, if you have if you have a chance, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, buy the graphic novel, support support comic books, or you know, if you're a jerk. Do it illegally. Anyway, um, but Flashpoint. Or, or if you're if you're not quite a jerk, then there there's there's a animated Flashpoint movie on there Netflix. There is. Yeah. You should watch that. It's pretty good. I watched that. I liked it. Yeah, it is pretty good. Yeah. All right, that was Garthon's comic poll. As always, Garthon pulls comic books and tells you about them so you could tell your friends. And uh, well, if they're the type to be impressed by comic book knowledge, you can impress them. If they're not, then you could bore them with comic book knowledge. Um, that's what I do. Sad face emoji. Um, <laughs> now nah, um, you can check out Heathen. You can check out Heathen Dog Sunday nights on Twitch. Oh, you should check out Garth on Sunday nights on Twitch. Oh, sorry, Garth on sorry. I don't know why I said that. Uh, Garth on Sunday nights on Twitch, where where he plays uh, Final Fantasy fourteen uh, from zero to hero, where where you see a beginning character go all the way through the content and to the end. Yep, trying to get leveled up in a starting character leveled up in time for the new expansion coming out in June. And if I don't make yes. it in time, I already have a character who's on a different server who's sitting at the right level, so I'll just use her. Okay. But I'm enjoying Open leveling it. this character up and actually reading a lot of the story I kind of clicked through, so it's been a lot of fun. And you should join me. Yes. It's good times. Beldeharst joined me for that, for cat girl time on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. But let's move on to RNG. Where we talk about random things going on in our lives, things that are exciting. So, and nerdy. do you have anything exciting going on? Well, let's see. Um, hmm. <laughs> That's not a good sign. That's not a good. I'm not. I'm. I'm trying to decide of three things. Well, I'll, I will only... say that recently. Uh, Max Leo and I had been recording a series of Max Leo and Garthon team up to play. Um, little, little, little additional Garthon team up. We are doing a team up with Heathen yep. Dog, doing a team up with Max Leo. And we were doing Borderlands because we both owned it. Uh, it's a popular series. And we're like, we never really played this much, so let's uh, play it multiplayer because we can. And uh, we got to level 13. And got wrecked over and over again. Uh, our weapon, you know, and, and decided uh, we're not having fun, so we're not going to do that game anymore. We're going to find another game we can play together and team up on. But uh, <laughs> it was just yeah, kind of fun. From, in a yeah, way, from, from what you and Max were saying, it was just a cluster. 
Anyways. Yeah, it turned into a cluster at the end. When it actually gets onto YouTube, and it's going onto YouTube, our uh, giving up, I su- highly suggest you watch it just for the entertainment of seeing two people, you know, have their dreams die. Just crushed, crushed under the boot <laughs> heel of of uh, of not even not even mid level bosses. But I will say I have heard that the C- uh, Borderlands Two and Borderlands the pre sequel really really correct the issues with the first Borderlands, and that they're much much better games. But uh, Wait, then, hey, then go get those. No, it costs money. But oh. so I would. Uh, who knows what we'll figure out? We'll figure out something to team up together and have some fun with. But uh, I highly recommend watching that series when it comes out. Just the entertainment of watching Max die a lot. He died way more than I did. At least three times more. Probably four times more. <laughs> it was, uh, I don't know how he does it, but that man can die more than anyone I've ever seen. I give him credit for that. <laughs> he, he, has a a gift. he has a gift. He has a gift. There you go. All right. Uh, uh, then then uh, the thing I want to talk about is our, our team up. Where... Uh, um, the uh, Foundry missions got got borked when when the current season 13 dropped, and they, they were gone for about a week and a half or so. So we had to instead of doing that, we we did the featured episode, we we did the brand new uh, PVE queues, and after that, we were forced to do uh, patrol missions. And p- patrol missions are are something to get you immersed into the Federation lifestyle. Like, like you are, you, you go out into, into the galaxy, helping folk that are in trouble, spreading goodwill, stuff like that, which I get. And I, I like the idea, but they are slap shot to me at best. I mean, the, the foundry missions, even ones that they, the ones that were okay, were like the high watermark for, for patrol missions. So, I think the patrol missions were basically made as a, to uh, try and, for the they were meant to fulfill a need that no longer is there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the the uh, foundry missions completely completely re- replace the 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 need for patrol missions. And foundry missions are back. So, you know, our 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 next episodes that that are going to drop after Monday are going to be more foundry missions. And I've already got a whole list of them that we're going to try out. So it's going to be great. I'm super pumped. Yes, um, and the other thing is, uh, uh, my son uh, saw on YouTube. Uh, a train simulator game and it is hyper realistic yes train it is. simulator game. i've seen this game on steam it's yes. expensive it is but he wanted it so bad and it and two weeks ago it went on a two-day sale Ooh. for 50 percent off and we sucked it up the only problem is his computer is not on the strong side he has his own computer. It's a it's it's a it's a Dell Inspiron uh, Mini. Mini, you know the little box like oh, it's, okay. it's 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 as big as a as an Apple TV d- uh, device. Wow. You know, yeah, I I pumped it as much RAM as I as much RAM as I could. It, it came with one gig. I was able to put an eight gig chip in it, but the uh, the uh, uh, video rendering is is on the motherboard and it's subpar. And so this thing is like, uh, uh, if, if Baldahar and Special Fire can remember when the last time I streamed uh, STO, it was like, it's almost like watching a slideshow. That happened last so, time I streamed. I think my OBS settings need to be fixed. Uh, what I found out is that uh, I had somehow accidentally unchecked disable arrow functions. You know, oh. the little, uh, yeah. So I checked that and boom, I went back up to 60 FPS. 
And that's in uh, your OBS in settings? OBS. Yes, that's in the OBS settings under video. Yeah, so uh, he, he got quickly – I'm sad because he got quickly disillusioned. I'm also sad because I, I, I can't upgrade his computer right now. So, you know, he's yeah, that, that that's going to be on the back burner for him, something he was so psyched about. But like, we, we, we got to wait until his birthday or Christmas or something to actually get him, get him a stronger rig. So that was oh, that good. was sad. He can't just use your computer. Uh, he's five. I'm not letting him near my computer. <laughs> I and can understand. I, yeah, I, I let him on my wife's computer all the time because because she has a Linux build. And he really can't do anything because you you can't yeah, you screw can't. that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't screw that up. But uh, this this trains game does not work on Linux. It's it's only for Mac and it's only for Mac and PC. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's that. That's the way that cookie crumbled for him. But uh, I'm 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 hoping that when when he does get a new computer and I tell him, hey, this is a trains computer, that his eyes are gonna light up. It's like, oh, I wanna play it. And then, and then he's going to be all back to neat. So hopefully the to, future like, has brightness. You need to paint the computer like a train. That's what you need to do. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. That'd be kind of cool one? to do. Wouldn't take yeah. just to, you know. Anyway, uh, that sounds pretty nice. Uh, I know that I, uh, video game-wise, am currently looking for a game for Max and I to team up on. Uh, he is... I mean, recently... I need to coordinate with him on that better. See what is in his Steam library. I guess I can look that up on Steam unless he has it hidden from me. And try and coordinate that out. I want to do Vermintide because I bought that on sale recently for 10 bucks, and it's a lot of fun. Balder said the slideshow was actually more like with his old flip books. Oh, gosh. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good one for tonight. What do you think, Heathen Dog? I think we covered a lot, and it's going to take you longer than usual to splice these two things together and then upload it to YouTube. I don't even know how to splice them together. Okay, well, I want to tell you right now that uh, the, the YouTube editor for anything over an hour doesn't work at all. Well, then this isn't getting spliced together, is it? You, you got to do it. You got to splice it together. I don't know how. Out. You do it. I, don't have, any, I have zero video editing software. I will tell you how there, there, there is a free, free for 10 uses um, uh, at free editing software. That's free for 10 uses. This is going to be one use merge this one, that one merge and it merges it perfectly. And then you upload it to YouTube and you're done. I will talk about this with after, after the stream. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. Any final words of wisdom, heathen dog? Well, I guess the only final words of wisdom I have here is uh, do not trust broadcasting software. Don't do it, but <laughs> uh, skeptical. Be skeptical of all broadcasting stuff. Well, everyone, thank you very much for watching. We appreciate your patronage and your participation. If you have any college suggestions, let us know. Let us know on Reddit. Uh, the links are the subreddit there. Facebook.com slash LegionMyth. YouTube.com LegionMyth. On Twitter. On Twitch TV, where you're at now. Or could have been if this is in the past or the future. Uh, you can also email us at LegionMyth at gmail.com. So... Remember, you also download the audio version of the podcast on iTunes. If you're doing that, go ahead and drop us a little five-star rating. We'd appreciate that. We do it for you. On Player FM, on Stitcher, tune in, or download directly from our website at leechman.com. 
You can support Legion Myth through our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash legionmyth or directly through patreon.com slash legionupgate. We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. We love you all. You're so very important to us. Some of them are here right now in our hearts. And remember, everyone, as you always close out, give one life, live it well, live it dirty, and have a great day, everyone, all.